It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I want to run a super quick experiment on you, Nick. All right, let me have it. All right, for this to work, let's just say that you are either a Republican or you're a Democrat, okay? Hypothetically, okay, yep. Uh, You're moving into a new neighborhood, and you're looking at two different houses. One is next to a person who shares your party affiliation, okay? Uh Your neighbor is the same party as you. The other house is next to someone who identifies as a member of the opposing party. The houses being otherwise alike in dignity, which one do you pick? Uh, this seems like you're pulling one over on me, but of course I would like to live somebody who shares my party affiliation and beliefs. Okay. Now, let's throw a third house into the mix. But this house is next to an unaffiliated voter. Someone who identifies as an independent. They don't have a party. Does that change your pick? Yeah, um, honestly, it does. Because I feel like I could learn something from that person and thus about myself. Why do you ask? If there's one thing that Democrats and Republicans seem to agree on, it's that independents are the best. This is Samara Clark. She's an associate professor of political science at the University of Arizona. And I bring this question up because Samara made this discovery while researching her book on independent voters. When we ask them who they want to live next door to, who they want to work with, people, you know, if they're given a choice between someone from their own party and someone from the other party, they'll of course choose somebody from their own party. But if we add the option, what about living next to an independent? Well, that's what they really want. People really like independence. By the way, because I really want to hammer home the American love for independent voters, uh, it isn't just that we want to live next to them. We want to date them. I ran an experiment with my co-author, Yana, where we showed people uh, a series of faces. They were computer-generated faces. They weren't real people. These were sort of robotic, formulaic faces. And we would randomly tell people that the face was either somebody who was a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. And we would ask people to evaluate these, these characters that they were looking at. And we found that this there's a broad consensus across all partisans that Independents are more physically attractive Independents are more likable and independents are more trustworthy. And again, these were, this was an experiment. These were randomly assigned partisanships. And frankly, neither of them were particularly attractive, if I'm going to be totally honest with you. All right. Wow. So Americans really love independence. But I want to know what is an independent? And is it even possible to have no party affiliation? Right. There is a degree to which the independent voter feels almost like a myth. Like, trying to pin down something intangible. Well, today, 
We are going to try to pin down the unpin-downable. This is Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy. And I'm Nick Capodice. And first things first, what is an independent voter? So this is a constituency or a community of voters that are enormously distressed with the status quo, that are willing to move all over the spectrum without regard to political correctness or party loyalty. This is Jackie Salit. She's the president of independentvoters.org. She became an independent in the 1970s after being raised in a very progressive left-leaning family. And she still identifies with a lot of that ideology. She just doesn't see the Democratic Party as being the vehicle for it. So when Jackie says move all over the spectrum, does she mean swing voters? Like we think of swing states that can go for one party or the other. Is that the thing that makes an independent independent? Well, it can. You might call a true swing voter a pure independent, right? A voter who isn't just not registered with the Democratic or Republican Party or some third party, but who truly votes for the person over their party affiliation. They can vote for a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian or a Green Party candidate, whatever. Are there really, though, even voters out there who vote Democrat one year and then Republican the next? Show of hands, how many of you have at times voted for Republicans and at times Democrats? All of you. Really wish I could pull a number of things from a number of candidates to create an ideal candidate. In 2016, she supported Marco Rubio, but this time around... Tuesday, I am going to be voting for Pete. Independent voter Chris Davey supported Trump in 2016, but now he's leaning towards Joe Biden. I'm always on the fence until I make the decision. Do independent swing voters actually exist? Yeah. Uh, Obama's margin of victory over uh, Mrs. Clinton in 2008 came from independent voters. His margin of victory over John McCain came from independent voters. And then flash forward to 2016, independent voters uh, swung towards Trump. And you had that kind of really fascinating uh, and very misunderstood, in my opinion, uh, phenomena of something like, I don't know, it's estimated 9, 10, 11 million Americans who had voted for Obama and then voted for Trump, which you can't account for in, strictly speaking, ideological or, or partisan terms. The swing vote is a major element of the independent ethos. But for an independent like Jackie and the work that her organization does, reform of the election system itself is paramount. Being a true independent means dissatisfaction with the limitations of a two-party system. In 2016, we actually saw a pretty big phenomenon in the candidacies of Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, who also, I think, earned the support of quite a few independents. It was not just Libertarians and Green Party members, but a lot of independents also chose to go that direction if they didn't want to go with either Trump or Clinton. This is Tiani Coleman. She was actually in the interview with Jackie and I. Uh, back in the early aughts, Tiani was actually the chair of the Salt Lake City County Republican Party, and now she's the president of the New Hampshire Independent Voters. So 2016, you've got these independent voters who are eyeing Jill Stein and Gary Johnson and putting their support behind them. But of course, ultimately, those campaigns and candidacies tanked. Part of what really happened was that people could see that the system wouldn't allow them to express a vote for a third party or for someone else other than someone in the two major parties because 
We have created a system where people fear the other party so much that they won't take a risk on a third party candidacy because they're afraid that by voting third party, they might actually, in, it, in effect, end up helping to elect the person that they most do not want. So part of the, what we're trying to do as independents is change that system so that people are able to truly express the choice that they want without the system kind of telling them they only have one choice or two choices. This is especially an issue for independent voters in the primary. In a lot of states, you can't even vote without declaring a party affiliation. And this idea of wasting a vote, Samara Clark says that is the reason why independent candidates do not succeed. And there's this sort of nightmare scenario that the party you prefer is going to lose by one vote, and it's because you gave your vote to the independent party who you knew was never going to win in the first place. So uh, that really tends to drive people apart, and that, that, that hurt it. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey there, everyone. Hey, folks. The whole Civics 101 team is here in D.C. for a week. That's why you hear cars and stuff whizzing by. Uh, we are in the district to talk to the people that we talk about on a daily basis. And a lot of those people work in the executive branch. That is the largest employer in the world. And a lot of those people work in the civil service, where, after the assassination of James Garfield, it's a long story, they take an exam to make sure that they are the right person for their job. But if you run a business, and you're not the federal government, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all, but to match instead with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 23 hires are made on Indeed every minute, and their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com civics. Just go to Indeed.com slash civics right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash civics. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire? You need Indeed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It's independence. Take Bernie Sanders, for example. He's the longest-serving independent in Congress, and he's already filed to be an independent candidate in the 2024 Senate race. But he's running for president as a Democrat, just as he did in 2016. So I guess my question to you is, do you, do you consider yourself a Democrat? No, I'm an independent, and I think if the Democratic Party is going to succeed, and I want to see it succeed, it's going to have to open its doors to independents, who are probably, there are probably more independents in this country than either Democrats or Republicans. And he had to spend a lot of that primary trying to convince people he was electable. They weren't going to waste their vote. He was an electable guy. But he didn't run as, a, as an independent. I think that was really key. He ran as a Democrat. When we see these sort of independent-leaning kind of characters, I would, Bernie Sanders is one. Don, Donald Trump is certainly one. I mean, he doesn't have a 
very partisan background. He's donated to Democrats. It's not really clear if he's voted in the past. We don't really know what his political background is. These people who are who tend to be independent, they succeed when they run as a partisan. They don't succeed when they run as an independent. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> this is just like when the, you got an independent voter who ultimately feels that pressure in the voting booth and concedes to one major party candidate or the other. Because we are a two-party system, and to win, you got to pick a side. So yes, that's true. Most voters do eventually pick a side. Still, Samara says that ever since we started measuring how many independent voters there are in the United States, the number has been climbing. The percentage of independents has increased dramatically. 2016, to my knowledge, was the first election year where a plurality of Americans identified as independent even in the week following up to the election, which is really unusual. Normally, as a presidential election approaches, most people will tell a survey researcher which party they identify with. That's the period of time where you're most likely to identify with a party. You've been thinking about it a lot. You've decided who you're going to vote for. If you don't identify as a partisan in the week before the election, then you never will. In the week before 2016, we still had more Americans saying, no, no, I'm an independent. Wait, to what degree, though, was that just voters feeling like they really didn't like either option for a presidential candidate? Now, partially, that could be because Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were both historically disliked by their own can- by their own voters. These were two candidates that really did not garner a lot of enthusiasm from most mainstream Democrats and Republicans. But it also could be that we had reached this unprecedented level of fighting, bitter, vitriol, attacks. I mean, in, in a, I have a book on independent voters with, with my co-author, Jana, and what we found is that over time, the percentage of sentences in presidential debates that convey insurmountable conflict increases exponentially. Every year, presidential debates become more and more about fighting and attacking each other than about actually debating policy issues. And these are the kinds of signals people are getting when they're looking at the TV to figure out what is a Democrat, what is a Republican, and they see all this fighting and they say, well, that is not me. Now, I should be totally clear, the majority of people who Samara and her co-author identified as independents did admit to leaning Republican or leaning Democrat. And that was ultimately the way that they voted. Identifying as an independent does not mean being non-ideological. There are liberal independents and conservative independents and moderate independents. But on that point, Jackie Salit brings it back to the system itself. And my experience is, from talking to independents across the spectrum, is that the decision to identify yourself as an independent is an act of noncompliance with the system. In like 98% of the elections, those are the only choices. So if you want to vote, you have to vote for either a Democrat or Republican. But even beyond that, frankly, uh, in a two-party system like ours, in a system which is so controlled at the top by the parties in every way, at the electoral level, at the policy level, at the national dialogue level, at the level of rules, et cetera, and so forth. For so, for, for so many Americans to be saying, well, I'm not part of that, I'm an independent, I think is a political statement of great importance. Actually, frankly, I think it's of greater importance than who anyone decides to vote for in any given cycle. Uh, and I think that is the 
the process, and that's the moment that we're living through. And I think it's a very big test of the country. I also, by the way, think it's a very big test for progressives uh, who, in my opinion, can uh, oftentimes be less than fully responsive to that statement of noncompliance. So even if it is kind of semantics, like even if it's symbolic to declare yourself an independent, that symbolism does actually mean something. It's signifying to political scientists and activist groups and candidates that you are fed up with the partisanship. So then I have to ask, why is there not a capital I independent party? If across the spectrum, independents can agree with noncompliance, why not form the Independence Party with a platform all about being free to choose whomever you want? Well, for one thing, there are parties in some states that call themselves the Independent or the Independence Party. Uh, in the case of the New York Independence Party, which Jackie helped to found, the platform is, in fact, reform. So this is the kind of true independent voter-minded party that you are talking about. But word to the wise, there are parties like the California Independent Party that are conservative leaning on abortion, gun rights, same-sex marriage. Uh, and, and then there's the Alaska Independence Party, and that's all about states' rights and has this kind of libertarian bent. Many people who identify as independents actually accidentally register with these parties and don't realize that they've become affiliated with the party. Uh, but anyway, back to your question. Why not form a national reform-based party? Here's some different ways that I think about this. First of all, I don't think at the moment, uh, I don't think that independents as a whole are looking to aggregate themselves into a third party. Uh, I think what's happening with independent voters right now is that they're swinging all over the place. Basically, Jackie brings it back to the unpredictability that independents represent. Independent voters don't necessarily want to establish themselves as this unified voting bloc. They also don't want to eliminate the party system entirely. The independent identifier represents weariness with hyper-partisanship and a desire for more than two options. Look, I think in general, if you asked independents, you know, uh, should we ban political parties in the United States of America, most independents would say no. Uh, but I think independents would like to have more choices. Uh, they'd like to not be restricted in the political process. And they would like to see a culture change that does not enforce the idea that at the end of the day, there are only two parties, there's only two ways of thinking about things, there's only two choices, and that's where you have to live. I think I think independents experience that as completely out of step with what is happening in actual life. This idea of what is happening in actual life is, I think, a really useful lens for understanding an independent voter. Samara made this point about partisanship versus the average American, and the reason why she and her co-author might be encountering more and more people who identify as independent. What we found is that there's a real stigma against being a partisan. I mean, if you turn on the news, you listen to the radio, what you hear are angry Democrats and angry Republicans, particularly in Congress, yelling at each other, fighting with each other, unable to have any sort of compromise. 
Uh, most Americans aren't like that. They're actually pretty nice people. <laughs> they want to get along with their neighbors, and they don't want to be associated with that kind of anger and that kind of vitriol. So as we see this sort of stigma against partisanship increase, more and more people say they're independents. And there's actually sort of a so- what we call social desirability bias, sort of seen as more socially desirable to say you're independent because people then don't associate you with all these things. So do you think, Hannah, that this rise in the number of people who identify as an independent is maybe a sign that lots of Americans prefer functioning relationships and healthy communication to bitter partisan arguing at the Thanksgiving dinner table? As the co-host of Civics 101, I have to believe that. Civics 101 is produced by me, Hannah McCarthy, with Nick Capodice and help from Jackie Fulton. Erica Janik is our executive producer. Maureen McMurray would never be part of any political party that would have her as a member. Music in this episode by Chad Crouch, Diamond Ortiz, Kilo Kaz, Spaz Cardigan, Chris Zabriskie, and Wildlight. You can find loads more resources, including educational materials and transcripts at civics101podcast.org. Special thanks to Chad Peace of the Independent Voter Project for all of his help on this episode. Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.